Bread. Bread. Hey, it's your new pal, Will, a.k.a. Lat Dad, and this is 70mm Rejected, a podcast for 70mm fans just like you. With me today, but not always, is some guy, gal, non-binary pal I know from the internet, Philip. Hello. And the money man himself, Dime. Hello. And our other internet friend and 70mm furry insider, Kirby. Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. <laughs> Every episode is selected from one of the many episodes that 70mm has thrown in the trash heap, but we've managed to extract before it got too funky. That's right. Uh, So this week, we are jumping back to July of 2022 and the animation month, where The Adventures of Tintin was victorious over our film this week, The Lion King. So I like Tintin. What do you guys do? The Tintin, that was uh, on the, um, uh, the Secret Possum trivia night. I think I missed that question. Perhaps that I thought that was a great episode. That was a really I did really like that episode. But this this that whole however it, uh, it was chosen over the Lion King, I don't know because I don't think I had discovered the podcast until about November. So I mean, I'm always sad we miss Danny Art on great movies, but Danny's also a Spielberg boy. True. Yeah. Yeah. So during that vote. It was an animated movie month and the big one. So Akira made this huge push um, and it almost won, but then KK orchestrated some stuff that you're still able to change your votes at this point in the discord. Um, And so there's some manipulation and some promises made (laughs) some bartering. Uh, And so Akira lost, I think, I believe Prince of Egypt was on that in that um, uh, set of movies as well. Oh. Um, but yeah, through some through some wheeling and dealing, KK got ten ten oh. uh, on the docket. So from that poll in July of twenty two, uh, other than our movie this week, it looks like Wall-E is the only other movie that they haven't covered yet. So potential future episode. So like, if we, what's going to happen, guys? I know I just got the email today for, or was it yesterday? Yesterday or today? Got the email for the slate of episodes that we will not reveal yet for season two of 70 mm rejected what happens when we're in the process of producing an episode and then danny slim or proto go oh we're doing this one and we when we scramble we gotta pivot yeah the discord might just explode somebody more organized than me can make that decision i don't know i i don't know if i can see them picking any of them but i mean who knows they, you know how they always like to drop like a bonus episode out of nowhere and everyone's just like what what wait, wait, wait. <laughs> i didn't even watch this yeah, I mean, you know those guys. They're always cooking up something. Maybe we'd just be belligerent and do it anyway. <laughs> but uh, the amount of work KK must have done behind the scenes, landing villagers and kissing babies to get one of his favors over the line that month. Can't believe he pulled an Ishmael. Are we blaming KK for the fact that we don't have Akira art or Lion King Danny Haas art? Akira did get made. We do actually. have We Akira. do have Akira. Okay, then we don't have mm, yes, Lion King. I, th- I think in the same month, actually. Okay. So it's it's KK's fault we don't have Lion King art by Danny. Yes. Yes, that's, okay. that's correct. We, we blame KK. And actually, with all the work he's done for Disney, who knows? I could be wrong. He's like, probably I'm withholding. Sure yeah. Kirby, why don't you tell the folks uh, what we got here? All right. So uh, later in this episode, we will be talking about our feature presentation, The Lion King. Um, and we also will be reading some of uh, the villagers' vo- uh, reviews that are on Letterboxd. But before we do that, we like to do a little villager update. So, Will, what's going on in the village? Yeah, so the big thing um, to start out with, we've got award season coming up. Uh, the Golden Globes were just, um, that just happened the other day. 
uh, and there's been a lot of talk of the Oscars coming up shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to punt this to you guys. So I, I'm notoriously uh, behind on 2023 movies. I don't, I, I think I saw maybe four or five movies in theaters this past year. Oh, snap. Um, and yeah, I want to hear what are y'all's, well, let's, let's, let's start with, well, we'll do the big, I guess the big four. We'll go director, picture, actor, actress. What are, what, do y'all have any predictions or thoughts or desires for what we're going to see for those big four awards? Hmm. Hmm. I, I was going to say, I think, um, I think Christopher Nolan is a surefire for director. I think, you know, for what he did with Oppenheimer, you know, he created this, you know, three hour long movie. Half of it is in black and white. It's a biopic about, you know, something that not a lot of people know about. And I mean, it, it broke all these records, you know, obviously the Barbenheimer phenomenon has a lot to do with that, but I think it's incredible what he was able to pull off. So I think um, the best director was probably going to go to Nolan for me. Yeah. I think it's probably between Nolan and Scorsese. It does seem like, holdovers the holdover train is gaining a lot of steam but Mm -hmm. i do think the director is probably between nolan and scorsese with nolan being the front runner i would imagine yeah i'd agree but man i give scorsese it too i i would prefer that and it it always makes me happy seeing scorsese uh get the awards i would imagine that lily gladstone's got it Mm -hmm. um she's got a lot of steam i think there's a chance that Emma Stone gets it, and there's a chance that, forgive me, I haven't watched it yet, the gal from Past Lives could be like a dark horse if like they're super charming on the uh, campaign trail. But I would imagine both for the performance, for the importance and the impact of it, and just a personal story. Did you guys have you guys heard through the Oscar season? I don't. This isn't the uh, Killers of the Flower Moon episode, but um, Lily Gladstone before she got the part in the movie. She was literally like filling out an application for like a government job in her area. Yeah, I did hear that. And then it's like, hey, Martin Scorsese wants to talk to you about his next movie. Wow. So like it's a pretty the, the movie is great and her story is very moving. So I would I would imagine it would be her. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's also been that old yearbook picture circulating um of her and the guy from her high school who were nominated and their superlative was most likely to win an Oscar back in high school. That's good. That is that. good. Yeah, I yeah, have to look up that story. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely my pick for actress. Actor. I would imagine Killian is the front runner, but that could also go Giamatti. I'm going to be honest. I kind of would like to see Giamatti walk away with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Killian, but he was, he was so good in the holdovers. Yeah. So. I'd see Giamatti win. Yeah. I feel like Killian is like a good front runner for that Oscar, but I did see the holdovers and Giamatti did play a very good role in yeah. it. So it, it's, it's up in the air. And I think picture is probably one of those three as well, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like Oppenheimer is probably the front runner. Yeah. It's probably going to be Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. But it's whenever I fill out ballots, I I can't help voting with my heart, and I usually lose. <laughs> well, speaking of filling out ballots, uh, the other big news is the Golden VHS Village Awards are, um, they have been tabulated. They've been. Uh, all the all the data is in. We have some inf- insider information that we're not going to share just yet. But the villager picks for those uh, best picture, best director, director. All of the Oscars um, have been submitted, and we're going to have some special announcements upcoming 
about those, but I'm going to stop there because I don't want to give too much away. Next up, we also have Music League is up and running for another season. Mm. Has anybody in here involved in Music League? I am not, so I'll step away for a second. Kirby, take it away. Tell us what it is, Kirby. So the Music League, um, it's a little friendly competition that the village has every every other week. Um, Basically, Music League is like this website where once you sign up and you link your Spotify account, um, every every round will have like a specific theme, like uh, pick your favorite jazz song or pick your favorite sad song, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody who's who's in the the music league um, submits a song through a Spotify link. So once everybody has submitted their song related to that theme, then it generates a playlist of all the songs that everybody sent in. And so once you've had your time to, you know, listen to the playlists, you know, skim it, whatever, then you're able to vote on vote on each of the songs. Now, each of the songs have like a numerical value to where you can set it up to like up to like 10 points or whatever. But you have a main limit of like 20 points to give Ooh. out to every to, for each song. So once you've tallied up all your votes and you vote them, you see the results and whichever song gets the most vote gets the most votes at the end of the round. The per- that person who submitted the song wins the round and they get to choose the next That's theme. Fun. So it's kind of just like a little fun thing. Just like a kind of a cool way for you to discover new music or, you know, talk of people saying, oh, yeah, I like that, too. You know, I keep hearing about Music League for I'm not going to lie for a while. I was just like, I don't know what he's saying. But then yeah, I was like, oh, that that actually sounds like a lot of fun. And you don't really have to have a you don't technically have to have Spotify to play. You just gotta sign up sign up for an account and then you can just submit whatever song you want. If you want to discover some new music or you know, find out if any villagers with you have like a similar taste to you, it's a lot of fun. It's just such a great reminder that there is so much in the Discord to interact with other villagers in all these different ways, whether it's music league, there's a book club, there I've got this channel muted, but the fitness <laughs> channel and they've got stuff going on in there. Uh Philip, I know last week you talked about your Walter Hill journey, and there are people going on these journeys through different directors or actors or genres. So, uh, yeah, just for maybe those people who don't use the Discord as frequently, you should check out some of those channels and see what's, what they got going on. So, yeah, thanks for that update, uh, Kirby. It's not in the show notes here, but I would also love to put in a plug for our um, Letterboxd Roulette channel. That's oh, what yeah, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that one. Where yeah. you, you sign up and you get assigned. Um, so, if you're a supporter, uh, and you're not active in the Discord, I'd say this channel alone, like just download it and get in. If you want to discover new things, uh, Ismail every two weeks spins a wheel and villagers get assigned one another. And the, we go through each other's watch list and pick one to three options. And then it's just like, hey, over the next two weeks, pick these either one to three movies and watch one of them and kind of report back and kind of a good way to share our tastes with one another it's one of my favorite things that we have oh yeah yeah. it's a it, yeah it's a great tool like philip said oh, i just gave you one dime the other day that's right yeah yeah he uh yeah phil uh, recommended uh scanners by david cronenberg and i've seen a few cronenberg movies and at scanners i definitely heard of so i'm definitely taking that journey pretty soon so it's things like that is a great way to discover a lot of new movies that you thought that you probably would never get around to, or you just probably never heard of this movie. So yeah, definitely, you know, check it out if you're interested in, you know, um, exploring, you know, movie taste. 
Yeah, the Letterbox Roulette was how I finally got around to watching Top Gun Maverick. And when I when I finished watching it, I was like, what the hell was wrong with me? Why didn't I not go see this in theaters? <laughs> You're doing the slim <laughs> thing of too much hype, got to stay away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, next item here from the Discord. Uh, heads up if you didn't see it, but uh, we're all about supporting local. I'm a huge support local guy. Uh, Daniel Cura. Uh, I wish I would have met him. I, I, I never met him. One of these days when I go back to Florida, Daniel, if you're listening, we need to hang out. But um, Daniel uh, brought to our attention a local coffee shop in Tampa that's in need of support. It's called King State. It's a coffee shop right next to him and Noel, uh, both active in the village. And for you uh, millennial uh, uh, music <laughs> fans, uh, it's uh, Anne Berlin and Under Oath guys are uh, a part of this uh, coffee shop. So King State, great coffee shop. Um, it's just uh, a shop in need of support. So they're they're selling all sorts of stuff online. If you're looking for whole bean coffee, they've got a lot of stuff. That is www.king-state.com. Um, maybe Dave, we can throw that in the show notes there. But uh, good business in need of support. So. If you know people in Florida, throw it on, uh, throw it on their radar. Oh, and they also have a beer hall, uh, templeofbeer.com as well. Oh, what a great, what a great name, Temple of Beer. Sounds like a uh, Bat and Spider episode. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Speaking of Florida, um, mentioned on the Uncut Gems episode, which was actually the most recent 70 millimeter episode per this recording, uh, our sweet boy, Danny Haas, is going to be at Epcot for the International Festival of the Arts this February. And this, which, as far as I know, I've never actually been to Epcot during that festival. Every time we go, we always go for the food and wine. But uh, they have like all these different artists who go out there, you know, and they have all their, you know, their works set to display. Um, Danny's going to be out there. So if you are going to be in the area in February, go there and make sure you give him a nice hello <laughs> and tell us what Watt's wearing. <laughs> Oh yeah, because there was there was heavy discussion about that in the Uncut Gems yeah. episode of what watch he was going to bring. So definitely, definitely <clears throat> peep that out. That is something I am holding off on being influenced. I've I've been tempted. I have I've Googled. I have eBay searched. I haven't pulled the trigger on the uh, becoming a watch guy, but I feel like I'm on the precipice. Well, speaking of Epcot, shout out to Aaron Zani for his Disney Dopey Challenge run weekend. Uh, and I'm reading over the description now. This sounds. Absolutely miserable, but exciting for him. The Dopey Challenge is a weekend at Disney World where you race through a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a full marathon for 48.6 miles running yeah. through the parks. God, that sounds uh, awful. And yeah, congratulations to Aaron. Very proud of you. That sounds Good amazing. Work. And I will cheer you on from here. Yeah, congratulations, Aaron. But I, I wonder while he was out there if he saw Simba or Nala. Because I know he has something to say about this week's feature presentation. So, Philip, for those living under those rocks, those tasty grubs, what is the Lion King all about? Thanks, Dime. So, the Lion King. Picture this. The sun rises beautiful blasting music starts and all every animal in the kingdom comes to see uh, a, a crazy monkey 
uh, split some split some fruit juice on a little baby's face and, and hang it dangerously over a rock. The Lion King. Uh, yeah, after that, it's basically a musical animated Hamlet, but very, very, very good. Um, so, guys, what... Okay, briefly, I know we spent a lot of time on Village Goss, but first impressions. When, when did we all see The Lion King first, and how long has it been? So I I was only a year old when The Lion King was, was released in 1994. Wow. Um, so I didn't get to see it until I was around five or six years old. My mom and actually, we had the big VHS clamshell the big Walt Disney masterpiece one. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, I played the hell out of that tape. I'm pretty sure I ruined it at one point and they had to get another one, but I would spend so much time in my room, just watching the Lion King and rewinding it on VHS all the time. And it's just, it's become one of those movies that just sticks with you for like the rest of your life. You know, it's, I think it's a classic. I'm not, I'm not sure what else there is to say, but you know, we'll get into it. Dime, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the same what Kirby said. Yeah, I also had it on VHS, watched it a lot as a kid. Pretty sure I also wore out that tape. <laughs> and I I loved it so much. My family loved it so much that we saw the musical of The Lion King twice. Oh, oh man. Yeah. yeah were mean, you, did you, were you born and raised in Chicago? I was. So you got a nice little theater scene there. That's cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was at the Chicago theater. So it was um it was great. Uh we put on our, our nicest clothes. I mean, we didn't get too too dressed up, but you know, we looked nice. Sure. And just I mean, the musical it was just as nice as the movie, but I mean, I mean you can't beat the movie, but the musical brought all that same sort of energy, the music, everything to it. And it, yeah, just like Kirby as well. It's you know stuck with me for pretty much the rest of my life, and it's a uh, it's a classic. Will? Yeah, so it came out like a year or two before I was born, and um, so I don't definitely don't have a memory seeing it in theaters. And we also, oh yeah. wow, I guess it's that beard that uh, yeah, I, 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 that's twenty seven. I, I would not yeah. take you for the youngest yeah, one I wouldn't on this have call, either, but I, I definitely look <laughs> older. But um, yeah, so I was born ninety six. So. Um, yeah, so it came out like a year or two before I was born. Wow. Um, and we did not own it. We had a lot of Disney VHSs. You could be like Danny's child. You were born in 96. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there are villagers like Art and a few others probably older than my dad. Um, jo- I mean, Josh is even younger. We were with him last week. He's like 21. <laughs> Josh is a baby. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, I saw this movie growing up but i didn't have quite the like intimate connection like watching it every single day because i had the vhs so we just we didn't happen to own that one um so there are other disney movies from that time period that i kind of latched on to but i was always like aware of um aware of the lion king honestly i was just thinking about my first exposure to it was probably watching toy story because there's a very short scene where hakuna matata is playing on the radio um and that's probably my first memory of like any sort of concept of lion king but I watched it at some point. I couldn't tell you the first time I watched it. But I have a two and a half year old now. Sure. Um, and he there he had a two or three month period recently this year where he watched Lion King every single day. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> so it is very much baked into my uh, psyche now. So yeah, that's where I'm at on Lion King. I uh, so I I guess I'm the senior here. 
uh, still not too old. I've I was like four or five when it came out, and The Lion King was my first theatrical viewing experience. And man, I I went and I went and I went. Like I grew up in a relatively poor family, but movies were a lot cheaper then, and different theaters. Like when it got to certain theaters, it was only a couple bucks. But I also, <laughs> being a very uh, enterprising and bold. I don't know if it was charming as much as it was bold. Like whenever I would hang out with friends or family and they'd be like, like, what do you want to do? It's like, can we go see the Lion King? Like I probably got, I saw it with my family several times, but then I got other people to take me to the movies. I I don't think I saw it quite 10 times, but it was, it was a lot of times in the theater alone. I saw it. And then, yeah, when the VHS came out, I watched the heck out of that thing. But yeah, seeing it so many times in the theater and having that be my first experience, like it was super formative and I haven't watched it in a lot of years. Like it's a movie I love, like just like you will. It's it is baked into me um, watching it so much. But man, I got to tell you guys, like when I started up again. Oh, and for this viewing, I don't think I told you this. This was uh, my wife and I told her that we were doing this. Uh, we introduced my son, who's also five to this. So my most recent viewing was his first viewing and just kind of all of that together just remember like bringing back like the movie transporting me back like i just started like crying at the beginning like as the the art is so beautiful like the the hand-drawn art the music is incredible the technology all of that together like just that opening music just i was weeping tears of joy and it was i can't wait to talk to you like top to bottom it was like a warm blanket, and I loved revisiting this. And it's great, too, because you got to have that experience with your son for his first time. So that's that's like a beautiful moment to have. It truly yeah. was. How did he handle Mufasa? And the, the uh, yeah, definitely nervous. <laughs> but he was also in it, and we have a three-year-old, and we were more, we are trying to be as consistent as possible. But when you have two, man... Anyone past the first one's going to get a lot more things slide. My three-year-old, um, when Mufasa died, he goes, uh, can we turn this off? <laughs> and I was like, no, no, buddy, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Um, he was like, if he was like super intense, traumatized, we would have turned it off or done something else with him. Um, we would have gotten him a good activity, but he was fine. They loved the music. And I do think like kids are resilient. Like I remember loving this movie. Like obviously it's sad spoilers uh, <laughs> when Mufasa dies, but it's death is part of life. And on the spectrum, I mean, maybe you guys have a different feeling on the spectrum of Disney parent deaths. This one is traumatic, right? Cause like you see him fall and get trampled and Simba has the moment where he's like, snuggling up to his dad's oh, corpse yeah. basically. And that is sad. But I feel like some of like I feel like Bambi was a lot worse and Dumbo is just like rips your heart out. So I feel like on the spectrum of dead Disney parents, this is this is kind of in the middle. It's not the lightest, but it's certainly not the worst in my Tarzan. Opinion. Tarzan is up there. Well, people talk about the the Bambi scene all the time. Oh. And I've never really been emotionally affected by that because, you know, it all happens off screen. And then, you know, his 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 dad comes in and says, oh, your mother can't be with you anymore. And then, you know, it cuts and then, you know, it shows Bambi as a grown up. 
But I mean, in this, you know, you see you see Scar throw throw him off the cliff. You see him fall in the wildebeest. It's true. After he stabs his claws yeah. into him, like that's pretty visceral stuff, actually. I mean, and you see his you see his corpse. You see Simba. You know, he doesn't know what to do. He's crying. Simba like crying, like dad, dad. Yeah, no, it's maybe it's like on the seventy fifth percentile. It's it's, it's not it's nothing. Pretty like, heavy. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely visually shook me as a kid when I saw it because. I mean, because the music, the score behind it, as all of that is happening, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it gets you, and so Hans. and yeah, and all those emotions came running back as I was watching Mufasa's death because I just it's, it's it still gets to me. What was it like revisiting? What were some of our favorite songs? Did the songs hold up for everybody? I think most of the songs hold up. I think the only one I think I've always been kind of iffy on was I Just Can't Wait to Be King. I'm not really entirely sure why. I just it, Of all the songs, I feel like it's kind of the weakest. Um, but, you know, speaking of, it's kind of funny. You know, I've joked about this before, but like, you know, the song is called I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Simba is basically singing, oh, I can't wait until my dad dies that way I can be king in his place. Buddy, come on, chill. <laughs> like, it'll happen eventually. Just you don't you don't have to be king right now. That I think I feel like that particular song on this viewing, I've probably seen it. I would not be shocked if I'd seen it genuinely creeping up on a hundred times or even more. But I feel like so many of them were it was when I was little and before subtitles. We didn't have subtitles on, but I feel like there were a few lines in that song in particular that maybe clicked with me and kind of now watching it as an adult, like some of those like the stuff that goes over kids heads that when you're an adult, you're like, oh, that's clever. Um, yeah, I don't I didn't write them down. I was just kind of in the moment, but I remember going, oh, that's kind of funny. I don't know if I caught that before. I really like uh, I Just Can't Wait to Be a King, uh, but I think my favorite is probably Be Prepared. I think it's one of the great villain songs. I think probably the one from uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame is probably the best, but um, I think the most recent time I watched it's like Scar really stood out as being such a great character. Oh, yeah. And that, that whole his sequence, song of Jeremy Irons' performance, yeah, is so good. It's like the green lighting and the smoke coming out of the ground. But, yeah, and he's got so many little great lines kind of in the middle of the song. Like, why is he sick? No, fool, we're gonna kill him. Simba, too. Great idea! Who needs a king? No king, no king, la 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 letting Jeremy Irons really do his thing and set himself up as such a great villain. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I would say my favorite, I mean, because all the songs stand out, but I mean, I can't go wrong with Akuta Matata. Nice. I mean, you just can't help but sing along with that. It's such a feel-good song. And watching Timon and Pumbaa also at the point in the song where they're eating those bugs, <laughs> it's, 
It's, it's weird because when I watch it, I'm like, I don't know. They kind of do look good. Dang, those look tasty. <laughs> I wrote that down on my notes. I said, wow, you know, as a kid, grubs look really delicious. Like they look like they like they, they look like candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, like there was like a, some bugs that, you know, I guess were a little bit juicier than others. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That sounds like it'd be pretty good. But <laughs> this, <laughs> but that the whole sequence is great. And I love how as that song continues, you see Simba like growing older and older and they're continuing to sing it. Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata, ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. Yes, sing it, It's our problem free. Oh, that shot on the log? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's such a beautiful shot. That's an all-timer. Yeah. The transfer to it 4K looked great. So, yeah, I, lo- I loved it a lot. Yeah, definitely. If I framed one shot, yeah, from that movie to put it on my wall, it would probably be that. Yeah, thus far, I, I purchased it on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray. I haven't made the 4K jump, but I only just got a 4K. I've been buying 4Ks, um, but I just got a 4K player, so at some point probably grab that one but um i was gonna say <laughs> hukuna matata is mine as well um my wife <laughs> and i <laughs> will regularly talk about this um uh, apart from the movie but then we were watching it together as a child because this movie was so formative it means no worries for the rest of your day For better and worse, I really internalized the message of Hakuna Matata. Any of the villagers who know me personally, like, <laughs> I feel like that was a, a very, like, a, a truly formative song. Like, I, I internalized that message, and it's like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, obviously, I don't like it when bad stuff happens, but I feel like, like, the power of art, that was just very, like, yeah. Obviously, like, I care about things. I want them to turn out well. I feel like I aim pretty high and I do a lot of cool, like I feel like I make a lot of things happen and I'm always trying to like one up myself and whatnot, but yeah, very, uh, very comfortable with the process. And I, I credit that to Timon and Pumbaa <laughs> and, but also for better or sometimes like when my wife gets really upset about something, I'm like, yeah, well, it'll be fine. Like we'll figure it out. Like in, in a couple months we'll be like, we like, this is a small thing. If we zoom out, like whatever. So, I, I need to maybe grow at my uh, the the way I communicate that to others. But just watching this song again, probably for the first time in like 15 years or more, I was like, oh, dang, no, like that's that kind of was like my life philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Like why stress? Yeah. Hakuna Matata. Like I, I say Hakuna Matata. And sometimes like I'll, I'll text that gift to people and somebody is like, oh, this thing went wrong. I'm sorry, Philip. And I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> like, for pretty much everybody, The Lion King is like the apex of Disney movies. Like it's, and looking at the notes here, like it is the highest grossing traditional animated film of all time. Um, when you think of a Disney movie, I feel like nine times out of ten people are going to say just the, the Lion King is like the ultimate Disney movie. 
And so I was just thinking, what are y'all's thoughts? And like, what is the secret sauce that sets the Lion King apart? Yeah, non-Pixar, yeah. it's Lion yeah. King for me. So like, what's the secret sauce that the Lion King has over Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, like all these other great Disney movies? Like, yeah, the Lion King is kind of it. And so what, yeah, what sets it apart? I know we've talked about the music and the animation and all these different things, but yeah, do y'all have any thoughts about like what, what makes the Lion King like the movie to beat when it comes to Disney movies? I think it's like, it's like the culmination of just everything it has, that it has going for, it. you know, it has beautiful animation. The characters are so well-designed, you know, you've got, you've got a really great story, which, you know, is supposedly based on Hamlet on Hamlet. I've never actually read Hamlet or seen any of the adaptations, so I can't speak to how accurate it is, but the whole story just feels very Shakespearean. You yeah. know, if you just think about it, there's this heir to the throne and he's, you know, he's, his, his father dies, he's, the King dies, but you know, he's blamed for his death and he's exiled and doesn't want to come back because he feels guilty about it. Like it just, it just feels so gargantuan. Like so like Shakespeare would write. So obviously you've got the great songs, they're all catchy. You've got the music, which again, to kind of go back, Hans Zimmer's score on this is just incredible. And I know, you know, it's easy to say, oh, Hans Zimmer, you know, he's one of the greatest composers ever. But I can't think of like many projects that he did before this, before The Lion King. Like if this was like his big break, I don't know, someone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But like, Man, the score in this movie is just incredible. But I joked about it on my letterbox review. Interstellar might have like a really great, you know, musical store score, and it is, you know, Hans, I love you, it's perfect. But I mean, at the end of the movie, Simba finally takes his place as king and he's walking up Pride Rock in the rain, and that music kicks in. It's pumping your like fist. is this like the greatest score of like any animated film? It's just it's just incredible. Like I don't know how you did it, Hans, but you did it. So sums up why I think The Lion King is like the prime Disney movie. It just has all those things working together. And of course, you know, it was the Disney Renaissance, so they were just firing on all cylinders. And I think that's what that's what made it such a classic that's endured to this day. Yeah, for me, it's it's the Lion King at one and like Beauty and the Beast at like 1.5 or maybe two. Like either one of those two I could put at the top. But for me in my heart, it's the Lion King. And yeah, I, I think the animation, the all the tricks they had perfected over the decades, like the two main shots I think of the one in Beauty and the Beast is when they're dancing and the, and the camera, quote unquote, is like spinning around. And the shot, I think, in The Lion King is at the beginning in the song when Zazu is like flying over and you're getting to see all like the 3D, like the hand drawn stuff with some of those 3D techniques getting started to use. But like, it's so perfect. And I, I, I think that genuinely watching it entirely with my kid and then watching a few scenes today to prepare for this, the opening is so gripping. From literally second one, like that, that thumping music and the sunrise mm-hmm. is so evocative and it just grabs you. And back then, yeah, home video is a thing, but this premiered in the theaters and it stayed in the theaters a long time. Like you just want to keep going back to have that experience over and over and over. The storytelling's great. We haven't really hit this specifically. I'll say the cast rules. I mean, you got. Um, we already mentioned Je- Jeremy Irons, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. You got Nathan Lane and er- Ernie Sabella crushing it as Timon and Pumbaa. Matthew Broderick was fine. We we didn't talk about this yet. 
uh, James Earl Jones, who we're actually recording today on his 92nd birthday somehow. So. <laughs> 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 it was uh it was meant to be but yeah the cast i think the cast in this is the secret sauce or part of it, it it's an aspect but the cast is just incredible yeah I, I can't help but think of when i think of mufasa i can't help but think of james earl jones because i just feel like he embodied that role so well and then also with jeremy irons as scar those voices are like just stuck in my head. And yeah, you know, Matthew Brock was okay. It's funny too. I didn't actually know that was him uh, when I rewatched it. Cause then when I, when I logged it on Letterboxd, I'm like, Oh, that's who it is. Oh, cause obviously as a kid, I don't know who these guys are, <laughs> but looking back on it, I was like, Oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, and I just learned on this watch that uh grown up Nala was uh Moira Kelly, the, the recast, <clears throat> Donna from uh, Twin Peaks. Nice. Uh, the Fire Walk With Me, Donna, which I certainly didn't know when I was five. Um, the Hyenas are also great. Cheech, Whoopi Goldberg, and Jim Cummings, the guy that did the Winnie the Pooh voice, like, who Ed doesn't really talk a whole lot. But, like, the Hyenas are perfect. They're, they're hysterical. And then, <laughs> no pun intended, like, to turn on a dime, like, they can be <laughs> terrifying. It, they're so effective. It's yeah, it's a perfect movie. Yeah, especially at the end when they like turn on Scar, you like, yeah, they get real like pretty legit scary at the end there. Yeah, those hyenas definitely scared me as a kid. It, yeah. I mean, it was both uh, frightening but fascinating to see how they were portrayed. Yeah, like in some of the moment, like Timon and Pumbaa are obviously the primary comic relief, but some of the scenes of the hyenas are hysterical, mm-hmm. and then like it turns. And then they're just so menacing. Like my kids definitely got a little bit scared of the hyenas. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or when Zazu's in like the little, uh, skeleton dungeon. Oh man. And they're messing with them. Like that's, that's kind of creepy stuff. But I'm also, I'm so thinking about like what sets Lion King apart. I'm looking at kind of like the timeline of Disney movies. And so you have the Lion King in 94 and then in 95 back to back, you have Pocahontas, but then Toy Story. Toy Story, I, I feel like maybe one of the things that is giving Lion King this kind of elevated status, besides just all these pieces of making such a great movie, it's like one of the last great 2D animated movies, at least like that everybody was all on board out, uh, about. So you have like Pocahontas and Hunchback and Mulan and Tarzan coming after this. But yeah, I think it's one of the last great yeah, like 2D animated movies before Pixar and 3D animation, which no knock against them, like obviously great in their own ways. Well, uh, of that era too, because I mean, I think Mulan and Tarzan. I love this. I, I think yeah. you can put them up there pretty high on the ranking. Well, it's hard. Like if I'm putting The Lion King up against the best of Pixar, like not counting Disney Pixar, I think The Lion King or Beauty and the Beast are fighting it out for number one. But if you put in Pixar in those stories, I almost feel like the the engineered nature of them it doesn't take away. But the Lion King doesn't feel like they stewed on it for eight years with committee after committee trying to like get the funniest thing to make you laugh as hard as possible or to make you cry as hard as possible. Like it just feels it feels a lot more organic than engineered. And now we have kind of a resurgence with Spider-Verse. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, you were mentioning about like, you know, all the Disney films that were kind of coming out at that time, you know, after this was Pocahontas. One of my favorite um, bits of trivia about this movie is that both Pocahontas and The Lion King were both being worked on 
simultaneously at the Walt Disney Studios. And most of the animators, like the top the top animators at Disney, they decided to go work on Pocahontas because they thought, well, this is going to be the better film. We have more faith in it. And That's so um, the directors, uh, Roger Hours and Rob Minkoff, they basically were just left with like this ragtag B team of animators to make The Lion King because nobody else wanted to work on it. I like Pocahontas. I think it's pretty good. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I think The Lion King definitely was the more successful of the two. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Pocahontas is an interesting thing to watch now. Um, but th- there's definitely plenty of merits to it. But yeah, no, like Lion King is in a whole different bracket in my mind than Pocahontas. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you tell there are a couple things I remember about Pocahontas. But what was the opening to Pocahontas? Does anybody remember that? Couldn't tell you. I love Colors of the Wind. Oh yeah, that's good. Sure, that a gorgeous sequence. I think part of the secret sauce from the Lion King genuinely, it grabs you instantly. And it doesn't let up. It's it's thrilling. It's funny. It's sad. Like it is emotionally genuine from second one. It sells you hard and it gets you. And it's it's incredible. And I do think, honestly, Kirby mentioned the uh, the template. It's working off of Hamlet. Like it's not a one-to-one for Hamlet, but there's a lot of mm-hmm. cute little like in-jokes or whatever. But I mean, it, it is a class. It's a myth. It's a... Uh, the human story that people have been telling for centuries and like, yeah, it's, it's a tried and true template and you just put great animators, great cast, great songs. And it's, it's a hit. It was funny that you say a myth because when I was watching it this time around, in the back of my mind, I was thinking of the Northman. Oh, and how that template of, uh, you have, this father that is the king uh, son who's you know kind of like next in line to be king but then the uncle slash brother is the one who actually wants to be the king and then that uncle slash brother kills the king yep then becomes king and you see you know the all the things that he's done when he has you know that power and then you know son gets revenged and so I was thinking about the tried and true, man. Yeah, yep. yeah. So it's just like a, the story is the oldest time. Just so I was thinking of that. This uh, this on this rewatch, the Northman is inspired by the same story that inspired Hamlet. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely. Which is also funny because Ethan Hawke was Hamlet in another movie. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we get to Village? Do we? I mean, we we've hit a lot of points here. Probably three or more. We have any? Uh, I had a random one that's not directly tied to the movie, but what what do you guys got? final thoughts any other specific i'm just going through my 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 notes here and like looking at some of like the miscellaneous little tidbits the um the scene where uh simba sees um mufasa in the clouds you know that kind of uh spiritual moment i mean it just it looks incredible but man that scared the hell out of me as a kid and i can't even really explain why like it's just it's such a big moment and the way you know they that he's animated up in the clouds like it just i don't know it's almost kind of nightmare fuel looking back man that's that's a moment yeah well i think where his eyes are it's um is almost hollowed out or it's just all white so you don't see that sort of like pupil so it's just like yeah this huge lion like figure just coming out of the night sky yeah yeah it can be a little creepy Mm -hmm. uh, and i didn't really have any notes i think we recovered like most of it, so I yeah I don't have anything else. 
So it sounds like I'm some of you guys are a number of years younger than me. I don't know if did anybody have the Gen One Game Boy? Anybody played the Lion King game? Didn't I didn't even know there no. was. After the movie came out, I got that for Christmas. I I played that through a lot. <laughs> and I had completely forgotten about it until I watched it again. And um, the Wildebeest sequence in the Game Boy game was memorable. And that kind of reminded me. It's like, oh, I haven't thought about that in probably like 25 years or more. Yeah, we used to, we used to be a country when there were great, great video game tie-ins. Movie tie-ins. <laughs> the Aladdin and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good game. It was hard and it was fun. And whenever like you completed it, it was very satisfying. Oh, yeah. I, I love the feeling of, of completing a game to its, um, to its entirety. Oh, one more, one more quick note before we go, because I, I did. I was kind of proud of this when I wrote it down. I, Scar is such a mood because, you know, if I was king, I would just I would just lounge about all day complaining about everything. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Like what? Why did you want to be king if this is what you could do this if you weren't king? Like, what? Yeah. It's the lioness's job to do the hunting. Yeah, he was a very bad king. It's like, why are you going to kill for the we're going to kill your brother for this job that you don't want and are bad at. But you know what? That probably is true to life. If you look at a lot of the people running major corporations as well, I would imagine. <laughs> All right. Well, great discussion. Thanks for y'all's input about the Lion King. And now. Let's move into some input from the listeners. So we're going to be reading some reviews from the VHS Village, starting with Philip. What you got for us? I, I love this segment of the other shows, especially the ones I haven't been on. It's fun to listen to the VHS uh, Villager rankings. We have a lot of fun pulling these out. So our first VHS Village review of The Lion King. Uh, it's the other Bex. I, it sounds like she used to be a part of the village, left and came back. Becky Rice, one star. Excuse this was me. bad and unnecessary, and I'm traumatized. The Lion King, 2019. Oh. <laughs> oh that's okay, then. And thank you, Beck. So, Will, uh, why don't we get into some of the real reviews there by our, one of our beloved hosts of the true 70 millimeter? Yes, this is from Proto. Rewatched Lion King back in uh, November 2020. Gave it just four stars. He says, Simba giving up meat for insects has always stayed with me. The vegan agenda entering a generation's consciousness during the years. Remember who you are. Have I always been a vegan? The vegan agenda. So great review from Proto. Are bugs vegan? I think so. Well, I mean, I guess the animals do die, but I mean, it's circle of life. Oh, we didn't talk about that briefly. Circle of life. How impactful was that to just like when Simba was out with his dad and he's like, well, don't we eat the antelopes? And he goes, yeah, but like when we die, like we go into the earth and they eat the earth. Like it's just a very, there's a lot of like simple depth to the lion King that I think gives it a lot of staying power too. So out of context thought, but that really stuck out with me watching that with my kids. Like that's such a good lesson. Mm -hmm. For our next review comes from Hannah. It's a very short and sweet review. She rewatched this November of last year. Gave it five stars. Absolute peak Disney. Absolutely. I, mean, I don't know if anyone's going to disagree with that. And next up, we got Justin Riley, who watched? Dang. For the first time? Maybe he just didn't log it as a rewatch. We got Justin Riley logging it in 2023. Arguably the best opening scene in any Disney movie ever. And I I got no arguments. I got no. Do we have any other 
like runners up or potential challengers? Best opening scene? We've, we've got a hmm. we got a tie. We got a tie for best opening scene because the same opening scene. Did y'all ever watch Chicken Little? I saw oh it once. <laughs> I saw it once when it came out. Don't We're remember anything. Very much maligned Disney movie from 2006, seven. Yeah, so that was, you talk about me being younger. So I was probably like 10 when I, that came out. Um, and so I saw it for like a birthday party with some friends. That's fine. And they like do a little gimmick thing where they like open with the Lion King shot. <laughs> so <laughs> if you say it's the best opening for a Disney movie, you gotta, you've got to include Chicken Little in there too. It's like the point you said earlier, you know, the thing about the Lion King opening is that, you know, it has you like right from the very start. You know, once, you know, once the song kicks in and you see the sunset in, I mean, you're immediately hooked. When you're in a theater that like kicks you in the chest, like right away, you're like, holy crap, like you, it like is shocking. So, yeah, Mm. agreed, Justin. Yeah. And then we have a uh, another piping hot five star <laughs> rewatch from Crash. Gave this a rewatch of last year in January. Remember who you are. I watched The Lion King so many times as a kid. I wore out the VHS tape. I had a Lion King themed birthday party where I got to wear a sweater with Timon and Pumbaa on it. I fell asleep listening to the soundtrack on a regular basis. As I type this, my kid in name Simba is laying on my shoulder. It remains the very best Disney animated feature. In oh, my, kitten. In my I'm reading the script. I thought you said my kid named Simba. I was like, oh, wow, that's, <laughs> that's bold. That's commitment. <laughs> Apologies. Well, Crash, if you're hearing this, maybe maybe you should name your kid also Simba. Eh, well, kitten is probably better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The songs are top-notch, and the animation still looks absolutely fantastic. The emotional beats still hit me like they did nearly 30 years ago. Phew. 30 years. Yeah, 30th anniversary this That's year. Crazy. James Earl Jones' birthday, it was meant to be. Yep. Everything aligned. Stars aligned. And Mufasa, the Barry Jenkins movie. came out this year, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's supposed to. Oh. And I'm sure it'll be better than... The Lion King. Kevin's pretty excited about it. I hope Barry Jenkins gets an incredible payday and then makes more Barry Jenkins movies. (laughs) Criterion, put out the Underground Railroad, please. (laughs) All right. Now, we actually have a letter. We got our first letter. Yeah, our first letter from our dear producer, our uh, graceful producer, I should add, Grugrex Dave. So Dave writes, Ahoy, rejected crew. Long time, first time. Writing in today while you are talking about The Lion King because I'll always remember the first time I watched it and because it wasn't even the movie I went to the movies and paid a ticket for. (laughs) (laughs) I would visit my dad on the weekends growing up and he wasn't the best at communicating, so our mutual language was watching movies together. One weekend, we decided to go to the Warwick Mall General Cinema in Rhode Island, now a macaroni grill, to see the original Mighty Ducks. Quack, quack, quack. When we went to purchase the tickets, we were told that Disney would be presenting an early access showing to their upcoming animated future, and they were hoping for some feedback afterwards. So the Mighty Ducks wouldn't be starting for another two hours, but for our help, we would get free concessions and still get to see Mighty Ducks after the early access feature completed. Unknown to any of us entering the theater that day, The Lion King was about to be shown. When that sunrise came on screen, the Zulu call began blasting through the speakers and the opening scene finished. My dad and I looked right at each other, and he leaned over to me and said, I think we made the right choice. We spent that afternoon with a dream Disney double feature, Lion King and the Mighty Ducks, stuffed with popcorn, candy, laughter, and song. 
A few months later, I started high school and began a new chapter of my life. But those movies that weekend will always be special to me, and I am so grateful some of my favorite people get to talk about it. Peace, love, and possums. Rubrex Dave. Man, what a perfect day. Wow. Getting me all emotional over here. That's amazing. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, what a double feature. The Mighty Ducks and The Lion King. Wow. And to get to see it early in that setting, like now, the early screenings are like such a part of things, but like you go to the movies, like surprise, you're getting a bonus movie and it's this. And you get free snacks for just for showing up. I mean, it's a perfect day at the movies. Thanks, Dave. Amazing movie, amazing discussion, amazing possums. So, how did Tintin beat The Lion King? We may never know. Or you could go ask KK, because I'm sure he has an answer. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get to the bottom of this. What did KK do? But hey, it's a villager vote. Anything's possible. Although voting is a little bit more restricted now, so I can't quite say anything is possible. But um, we are left with lots more amazing movies to cover. Yeah, I, and thank you for all everybody who listens, who shares. We've gotten a lot of fun feedback in the Discord and on social media from villagers and 70 millimeter fans and friends uh, wanting to help and host and support this endeavor. If you are a VHS villager, you want to get in the rotation to host. Cause one of the cool things about this show is like, yeah, we all rotate hosts. We have rotating producers and editors. This is very much a, it's a labor of love and we're all taking turns. So if you're interested in that, hit us up on discord already, as we mentioned earlier, as we teased, we are in full planning mode for season two of 70 millimeter rejected more movies, more episodes. We got an extended run. The first season was a pilot. We only did four episodes. We're going to, I don't know if we want to um, announce how many we're doing, but it's going to be extended. It's going to be more than four and then more villagers, more, more people are joining the team. So stay tuned for that soon. Season one, we're done. That's right. I mean, you heard it from Philip. You heard it from Will. You heard it from Kirby. So start thinking of those Villager votes or films that have been right around the corner. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know what we should tackle next. Before Seminium realizes their error of their ways, issues a cease and desist and immediately covers V for Vendetta. Well, as always, you could always send us feedback at 70mmrejected at gmail.com or just come by in the Discord and let us know how we're doing. We'll see you all for season two. Goodbye. is an opossum production original artwork by paul kinda original music by dave with an assist from 70 millimeter the 70 millimeter rejected team includes kirby latdad dime paul rwt chats bex grogu dave josh nolan yoev ron trainer and ben c if you'd like to join us in the silliness hang one of us in discord and if you'd like to support our friends at 70mm and upgrade to villager status, you can do so using the links in the notes. Goodbye. This is an Opossum's podcast. Yeah, Slim needs to take a walk. V for Vendetta is great. I don't know what his problem is with that.